watching my fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen. Yes. Yes, it's me. It's me. Keep clapping. You probably just lost me on Kennedy, but keep clapping anyway that I'm here. Clap for the Alaska Miracle. How would we know that you wanted the Alaska Miracle if you didn't keep clapping. Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen, and I'm so happy to be here with you today, Wednesday the 14th, I think. 14th? Yeah, it's 14th. And uh, really happy to be with you here tonight. Uh, just literally just finished up on uh, on Kennedy, uh, having a really fun uh, party panel on there. And uh, I am in like six hours. I'm going to be heading off to Alaska, so I figured I might as well stay up and answer some questions for an hour or so before that. Thank you for taking a break to spend this time with me, Spike Cohen. This is a Muddied Waters Media production. Check us out everywhere. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play, Float, Twitch, everywhere. All the different podcasting platforms, everywhere that you can possibly watch or listen to a thing on the internet. We are almost assuredly there. Be sure to like us and follow us and subscribe to us and whatever the thing is, however you do the thing that you do on the thing that you are watching or listening to me on, be sure to show your approval by liking, following, subscribing, whatevering it. And if it's on YouTube, be sure to hit the bell. Because every time I go live, I want your phone to explode with notifications. The last thing I want, I'm ahead of myself. Be sure to share this right now because the last thing I want 
is for you and your closest loved ones to miss out on a roughly hour-long libertarian podcast on a Wednesday evening. Give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode, of course, is brought to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest-growing waffle-related caucus in not just the Libertarian Party and not just in America, but in any political party in any country in the history of mankind because no one else would bother would. Well, anyway, uh, if you go to the Facebook group, Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, you can become a member today. And if you want to become a duly seated and voting member, whatever that means, you can go to the Muddied Waters Media store at muddiedwatersmedia.com slash store, coincidentally enough. And you can go buy some Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus buttons, some uh, shirts. I don't believe we have hats yet. But we do have shirts and buttons, and you become an official member. Well, you become an official seated member, because that's different than just being a member. So be sure to do that today. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by the Gravy King, and it's brought to you by Nug of Knowledge, smokable CBD products. It's weed. Uh, Nug of Knowledge is not like most other people that sell weed on the internet because. Uh, they also, uh, a bit of the proceeds on everything that they sell goes to help end the disastrous war on drugs. And uh, they also have a compassionate use program for, that do- donates their product to veterans and people with disabilities who cannot afford their natural remedies. Uh, many people who use Nug of Knowledge say that it helps with joint pain, stress relief, or a much-needed pick-me-up, which would make sense because it's weed. Uh, be, be sure to use, if you want to uh, buy some today, go to nugofknowledge.com and be sure to use checkout code SPIKE, S-P-I-K-E, SPIKE, for 10% off your weed. Uh, and go to, oh, this episode is also brought to you by Joe Soloski, libertarian running for Pennsylvania governor. Joe Soloski is the key to Pennsylvania's success. Uh, and if you'd like to help him in his run for governor, go to Joe Soloski, that's J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I, I've been practicing, dot com. Uh, to see how you can help him. And uh, this episode finally is brought to you by personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. If you are in Florida and you find yourself personally injured, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. That's, I wish it hadn't happened. But since it already has happened, uh, Chris Reynolds can help you get money for the fact that you were injured. He can sue them. I'm not selling this very well, but I don't need to sell it well. If you need to sue someone in Florida for hurting you, then call Chris Reynolds. Uh, go to chrisreynoldslaw.com and uh, and you can uh, he can get you giant, giant, huge bags filled with money. Because that's how they pay out rewards in lawsuits is giant bags of money. That's what Chris Reynolds will get you. Thank you so much. Um, the intro and outro music to this and every episode of My Fellow Americans comes from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J-O-D-A-V-I. Check him out on Facebook. Check him out on SoundCloud. Go to his Bandcamp. Go to joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Buy his entire discography. It's like 25 bucks. Some of the best music you'll ever hear. Uh, definitely go and do that. Thank you so much, Mr. Joe Davi. I'd like to thank Le Bleu for this delicious French-sounding pure water that I'm drinking on this episode of My Fellow Americans, Bouluvanaka. It's actually very good water. We found out that it's a way higher percentage of oxygen than it should be. Someone who understands chemistry can sound off in the comments. It says this is 11% hydrogen and 89% oxygen, but I thought that it was supposed to be 
33% hydrogen and 67% oxygen. I thought that's, someone can correct me on that. Otherwise, this is very, very oxygenated water. It's basically air. It's very good. Shout out to Taylor on Turks' mom, as always. Folks, like I was saying at the beginning, uh, I'm going to be in Alaska this time tomorrow, and I'll be there all weekend for the Gold Rush event, uh, which is being presented by the Alaska Libertarian Party. Uh, if you go to alaskalp.org slash goldrush, you can get in on the Gold Rush, even if you aren't going to be in Alaska with us. Um, we'd love to have you in Alaska, but uh, it might be at a bit of a schlep where most of you live. If you don't live in Alaska, uh, even if you live in Alaska, it might be a bit of a schlep because it's a large state. Uh, but I'm going to be in beautiful Wasilla, Alaska at the, um, oh gosh, what's it called? It's in uh, on East Bogard Road. It is the, there's a name for the resort. It's very important that you know what the name of this resort is. It is the Matsu Resort. Uh, and we'll be doing an event Friday night, uh, a, a, like a gathering or social. Then on Saturday night, we'll be doing the big event, Gold Rush, where we will be talking, a bunch of different experts uh, will be talking uh, to libertarian candidates, not just in Alaska, but around the country, uh, people listening in online on how to effectively run their campaign. I will be headlining the event. I'll be giving the final presentation on how to build a culture of winning, uh, both in your campaign, in your local affiliate, and in the party in general. Um, And so uh, I will be at that And I'll be leaving here at like 5 in the morning because it takes all day to fly to Alaska. So that's fun. Looking forward to that. So, because I'm already up, because I just finished the Kennedy, I figured I'd answer some questions because that's always a fun thing to do. People like the AMAs. They like to ask me questions. So here we are. Uh, I'm going to go through, uh, and I think someone explained the H2O thing. H2O, two hydrogen. Wow. So it's actually supposed to be 67% hydrogen and 33% oxygen. Unless I don't under, and still am missing something. Because if that's the case, then this is way disproportionately high in oxygen. I must sound like an absolute fool to someone who understands this. I can't imagine how foolish I sound right now. But that's what it sounds like to me. That's all I'm saying, folks. A scientist, I am not. Um, So yeah, so I'm going to be answering some questions. So be sure to uh, ask any questions that you have. And I will go through and start answering right now. Jeff Tapoy says, I want to see Matt's nipples. Well, I'm sorry, friend. Uh, That's not this show. You'll have to tune in tomorrow for his show. I'm sure he'll do that. Uh, Jimmy Lee says, anyone catch Spike on Kennedy? He dropped the mic on a Democratic strategist. Yeah, so I just got to say on national television, uh, they were talking about the abolish the police movement and the uh, the conservative person and the liberal person were going at it with each other. And uh, and I was explaining how this is less about abolishing the police and more about you know holding bad police officers accountable when they do bad things that if any of us used a gun instead of a taser accidentally and killed someone, we'd go straight to jail uh, and we'd uh, immediately be indicted and charged with a crime and have to pay bail and everything else. Whereas when it happens with a police officer, they get to go home and they get to uh, have police protection if things get rough, like uh, like the, the like Kimberly uh, Potter, I believe her name is, uh, Officer Potter did when, when, when she killed um, Dante Wright. Um, and that's the problem. They're, they're not being held accountable and they, uh, and you know, the police unions are, are protecting them. And, uh, but, but I ended by saying, well, you know, 
maybe we're looking at this the wrong way. If we abolish the police, uh, all of those uh, gun control and taxes and laws and all the other rules and things like that that the Democrats and progressives want to put in place, no one will be there to enforce them. So maybe we're looking at this the wrong way, guys. And um, I, I could feel the uh, I could feel heads exploding. So I, I had fun with that. Um, let's see. Where's the mixtape? We are working, Ashley, we are working very hard on uh, deciding how we're going to release an incredibly vulgar rap mixtape that I made 15 years ago without it destroying me and the Libertarian Party in the process. Um, Spike's feeling brave tonight. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I got my fancy tie on. This is my brave tie. Tasha Cohen's spouse is a golf pro. Yes, Benjamin, thank you. I need everyone to know that two days ago, okay, so this wasn't a long time ago. This was not in my prime because I'm definitely not in my prime. Two days ago, I was doing putt-putt, uh, mini golf, with some friends that were in town, and I got not one, not two, not three, and not even four, but five holes in one on an 18-round course. Almost a third of them were holes in one, and I was putting left-handed because I was holding a bottle of water so I could stay well hydrated, and I'm lazy and didn't feel like putting it down because I was already bending down more to pick up the ball out of the hole, and that was way more bending than I'm used to. And I didn't want to do additional bending to put my water down. So I just kept putting and with one hand. And it turns out that's actually the way that you should play golf. Or I'm just that good. Uh, let's see. Let's get some questions here. Um, so question, what did you do to acquire perfect teeth? Oh, what must I do to also have perfect teeth? I actually don't have perfect teeth. This one's a little bit crooked. But thank you. That means a lot. I was just born like this. Um, five, that's right, Matt. Count them. Five holes in one. Uh, Jeff Jabowski, Jakubowski says, how do you feel about making FCC and other regulatory departments smaller, if not abolished? FCC is especially one I would like to go after personally. Actually, my next guest next week is going to be Eric Peterson, and we're going to talk about pretty much how the FCC has made things a lot worse, especially when it comes to the internet. Uh, why is the federal government involved in communications and the internet? I mean, if you read the Constitution... I don't remember any amendments about granting them or delegating them authority to be involved in any of that. And the 10th Amendment tells us that if a uh, power is not explicitly granted in the Constitution to the, uh, to the federal government, then it's best left to the states or, and I add preferably, but or the people like you, just the market, you do it. So I don't know why there's an FCC. I haven't really heard a good argument for it. I've heard a lot of arguments for reforming it because it often does terrible things that drive up the cost of internet and hurt the potential for regulation and create a cottage industry around protecting the market share of the few handful people that control the internet right now. But I have not actually heard an argument that it should exist in the first place. Uh, Samuel Bragg, do you like turtles? Sure. Turtles. I do like turtles. Uh, Gary Doan. Doan, maybe it's Doan. Jerry Doan says, "Hi, I'm Dante Doan, and I have a question about why you're an anarchist when my dad is a minarchist." Well, I'm, I want to get a fight with your dad, man. But uh, so here, here's the difference between the anarchist and, and minarchist argument, Dante. Um, by the way, Dante's a, a seasoned reporter. He interviewed uh, Vermin Supreme last year. His dad, I heard, has done some stuff too. Um, 
So minarchists, libertarians in general, including minarchists and anarchists, libertarians believe that people do best when they're most free. We believe in uh, private property rights or we believe in uh, self-ownership. We believe in the idea of uh, um, personal autonomy. We believe that anytime that someone violates someone's lives or their rights or their property, that that's an act of aggression and that that's bad. A minarchist believes that a certain amount of coercive force or government is needed in order to protect the lives and the rights and the property of people because otherwise uh you know warlords will rise up and and fill that that uh vacuum of power and uh, and take over um as an anarchist i believe that the government are those warlords who have rose up and taken over the power and imposed themselves on people and i'm not sure there's a viable way to create a micro state that only protects the lives and rights and property and the people. In order to do so, uh, we'd have to find some incredibly uh, humble and accountable and well-intentioned and incorruptible people. And if that's the case, if there are a bunch of people like that existing, then maybe we don't need a government. So I certainly uh, have no problem allying with minarchists. The Libertarian Party was formed as an alliance between anarchists and radical minarchists to set the world free in our lifetimes. Uh, we certainly agree that we're headed in the wrong direction currently and that we need to head in the other direction. We just disagree on what exit we need to get off on once we start heading that way. Minarchists want to get off on exit five, and I want to slam into the guardrail and run to the ocean. Um, De uh, Thomas Queter says, have you or would you ever be willing to eat moose? Well, Thomas, yes. Uh, unfortunately, I'm now on a very restrictive pescatarian diet, so I can't actually eat moose. But yeah, before that, I would. I've had venison. I I'd assume that's similar. Deer and moose. Would that not be kind of... Similar question. Um, Matt Irvin, how many times, Irving, how many times did you make a hole in one in your epic I only need one hand mini golf adventure? Well, that's an excellent question, Matt. Five. Five of them. Uh, Stephen Andrew Witt, what's your feeling on Section 230? I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand what Section 230 is. They think it's a regulation that protects social media unfairly. Uh, it, here's the reality Section, Section 230 is simply a clarification that if uh, someone posts something or creates something or sells something or does something on your website or venue, they are solely responsible for any criminal or civil liability that happens as a result of it. Now, not only does that make sense, because, you know, for example, if eBay were responsible for everything, making sure that the legality of every single thing that was sold on their, on their, uh, on their site, or Facebook was responsible for making sure every single thing that's posted on their site wasn't illegal or defamatory or uh, harmful or infringing on someone, then, I mean, they wouldn't be able to function. And no, it's not their responsibility. They're just a platform. Uh, so I don't think the problem is section 230. If, if anything, if you get rid of section 230, uh, then what happens is now they're going to be even more restrictive because they're going to make sure that nothing gets through that might potentially cause them any liability. I think that it's a terrible, terrible, or even worse yet, they're going to, uh, you know, get carve outs and exemptions for them, but the smaller social media companies won't be protected. So, so section 230 is not the problem. The problem is that we in general have a, uh, regulatory regime in this country, thanks to all the regulations and taxes and mandates and licensing fees and everything else and the FCC and everything else that's in place, that makes it so that big businesses have an unfair advantage and are able to crowd out their smaller competition. At the same time, you have government threatening the social media outlets and basically forcing them to censor or else they're going to step in and take harsher, uh, harsher penalties. We saw that with TikTok. We saw that with Facebook after the Capitol Hill riots. 
getting government more involved in this is a bad, bad idea. Get government out of it. Get government out of, get rid of the FCC, or at least greatly, greatly reduce it. Get rid of all these taxes and regulations that make it so that big, uh, big established mega corporations are now able to have to, they have to compete with the smaller competitors. Now, if Facebook's a little too infringing on your, on your right to free speech, okay, great. You go somewhere else. It's their platform. They can, they can uh, censor you if you want, but let's make it where it's, they don't want to censor you that there's an equilibrium where if they go too far, we just all go somewhere else. Cause there are plenty of other competitors. Um, I didn't claim five, Steven. I have witnesses. It was five. Um, what's back. I don't know what's back. Oh, lost the feed. No. Oh, well I'm back. Um, Mm-mm-mm. a lot of stuff about okay so two high yeah but two hydrogens for per oxygen would that still be 11 percent hydrogen and 89 percent oxygen that i don't get it um says they're probably using molar weight sure decorum bot sure i'm sure that's p asks will the government ever stop stealing from us it's not likely but the reality is Government should be able to fund itself voluntarily. I, I actually call for getting rid of all taxations, taxation and replacing it with a voluntary transfer fee. If you want to pay the fee, then your purchase is protected. And if you don't want to pay the fee, it's not. It's on you. Something happens, something you, you something bad happens with what you purchased, you can't sue them. You can't call the police. It's on you. Most people want to pay that. But you have a choice whether you want to pay it or not, which means that the government will have to actually make that a reasonable price or because you're certainly not going to pay 40 or 50% on everything you buy. Eh, 5%, maybe 8%. Yeah, you might do that. 3%, 4%, whatever. Yeah, you might do that. Now government has to actually be accountable and live within its means because you've taken away their ability to rob you and now they have to actually provide you with value. Eureka. Uh, if you live in Florida and need to sue someone, yeah, no, that's that's our main sponsor. Uh, Spikey is going to eat salmon to near extinction and heckle Sarah Palin. I'm going to at least eat the salmon. And if Sarah Palin comes by, I certainly have some things that I'd like to say uh, to her. I'm, I'm, I'll be nice to Sarah. I'm not really mean to people in general. But I, if she gets near my salmon, we're going to have trouble. I'll tell you that right now because do not, do not get in the way of my salmon, especially smoked salmon. My gosh. Oh, man, there's so much salmon in there. To quote Wayne Campbell, contractor, no, I will not bow to any sponsor. That's definitely me on this show. Um, let's see here. Will you please shout out the hashtag Defend the Guard Act every chance you get? Defend the Guard Act? What is that? I'm not sure if I've even... Guard. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely support that. The uh, that's a, a bill that would make it where you can't deploy uh, the National Guard to a conflict externally or internally without a declaration by Congress. Yes, I support that 100 um, percent. So shout out to the Defend the Guard Act. Um, Kenny Johnson asks, uh, and by the way, it was uh, Maryland Veterans for Peace who asked that. Uh, Kenny Johnson says, should I fry some zucchini for dinner tonight? I think so. I like zucchini. It's fantastic. Um uh, Wyatt, cur- cryptocurrency platform Coinbase went public today. Thoughts on cryptocurrency outlook? I To the moon, to the damn moon. I think we're going to add at least a zero 
to most of the values of the main currencies we're seeing now before we're reaching an equilibrium. I think that we're looking at world reserve currency status. You know, all of the naysayers that said this was the, you know, all their Dutch tulip mania, because, you know, you remember all the usefulness that Dutch tulips had. Uh, you know, they all the things they've said, uh, they've all not come true. You know, every time it, it goes up and they go, it's going to crash. Well, it crashes to, you know, 10 times more than it was the last time it crashed. Uh, and we haven't had a crash I'm not sure we're going to have a crash. I think we're now at that point where we're just going to kind of see steady growth. We might have some real hyperbolic growth in the future and some retracing, but a, a crash like we saw in 2018, 2017, I'm not sure that's in the in the making anymore. I think we're going to be seeing, you know, we're in this really interesting period of, of kind of steady, high single digit growth uh, and double digit growth for some of the from some of the altcoins in the cryptocurrency sphere. Uh Money, fiat money is going to continue to lose value and utility and cryptocurrency is going to continue to get better and better with technology changes. So, I mean, if one thing's getting worse and the other's getting better, where does that leave you? Um, let's see. Joshua McHose says no by weight. Okay. Oh, oxygen is larger and heavier per atom. Sure. I don't. Sure. Um, Chris Bakke. Or Bachi says, so I'm confused about Biden's executive orders. Do people who own 80% lowers and pistol braces become felons? I see they're still selling them. At the proposed orders, whenever they go into effect, into effect, is that they'd have to have, um, they'd have to have their own, um, uh, their own um, serial numbers. Which, <laughs> for anyone who does builds, that's like the dumbest thing, because you're gonna have multiple serial numbers. It's gonna be so stupid. Uh, Timothy Sparks, do you know the difference between a handgun and a taser? Yes, and unfortunately, apparently, there's a many there's some police officers out there who don't. And let's just say she was a 26-year veteran on the force. She has handled both her gun and her taser quite a bit. Yes, in the heat of the moment, could something happen? Sure. And if one of us did something like that in the heat of the moment, we're going to be held for negligent homicide uh, or uh, first or second degree manslaughter. I I'm glad to hear that she's being prosecuted um, because you don't get to accidentally shoot people. I don't think she did it necessarily in malice, but you don't get that. He's dead. You don't get to accidentally kill people. Um, do you think Ted Cruz is the Zodiac? He's all but confirmed it, Troy. Like, he's pretty much admitted to it at this point. Um... Let's see here. Uh, James M. Ray says, when are all the Coens moving to Florida? It's not my department, bud. Um, uh, uh, Nalik Trupp says, chemical engineer here, if it's talking by volume, hydrogen takes up way less volume, and they weigh significantly less. I don't, so, oh, okay. So it's, okay, much less. Um, yeah, I don't know, Eric. I have no idea. Um uh, Rob Tark says self-realized libertarian here. Well, welcome to the, welcome to the party. When is the party going to meet in the middle ground to appeal to the masses instead of what I've experienced so far with anarcho-capitalism shills debating with centrists? Uh, the problem's not the, uh, sticking, staying to our principles. We don't need to meet anyone in the middle on policy. We need to meet them where they are in outreach and messaging. We need to meet them where they are on their concerns empathize with them and validate their concerns, explain how we got here, 
establish that we care and that we have solutions, and then we can take them on the journey for how we get there. How do we accomplish those things? I go around the, the country, uh, both online and in person. I don't water down the message. When someone asks me about education, I don't say, well, you know, I think we should get rid of No Child Left Behind and maybe reform Common Core. I say that the problem is that the federal government shouldn't be involved in education, and it's debatable whether or not the state should be involved. I think that the schools should be the ones deciding their education. You take all that power and all that money and all that freedom and decision making ability that's been robbed of the schools over the past several decades, which has led to our schools going from being number one to like number 20 something or 30 something, while we spend trillions of dollars over the past two generations, clearly that has failed. The answer is to take all of it back and put it back in the hands of those schools, put it back in the hands of parents, put it back in the hands of local school boards and teachers and administrators, the people who have an actual stake in how those schools operate. And in what happens in the outcome for those students. When you do that, we solve the problem. Now, I just met people where they were on their concerns. I can empathize with the, the school board members who increasingly have no real ability to do anything. They're just figuring out what federal mandate they've gotten and how to try to comply with it without breaking some law and desperately still trying to educate the kids in some hackneyed way. Uh, empathizing with the teachers who aren't really able to come up with their own lesson plans anymore. They're handed these standardized test things that don't really accomplish anything. Thing. They're having to relegate kids into special needs classes when they know damn well there's nothing wrong with them. They just don't test well. The parents who aren't able because they're having to both parents are having to work full time to be able to make ends meet to pay for those schools and other failed things from government and are turning around and seeing that their kids are being failed in those schools that they're being forced to pay for. No, I don't have to meet people middle of the middle of the road on the on the problem. That, that's you don't meet them on policy. You meet them where they are on messaging. That fixes the problem. Um, we have a false dichotomy in this party that we either have to be milk toast and watered down or we have to be brutalists who are mean to everyone. And I reject both of those. Um, P, why is it hard for libertarians to convince people that the government is just the federal mafia? For the same reason, it was hard to convince people that supported the mafia that they weren't really protecting them. When you think that the reason that you have anything is because of the bad guys that are robbing you, then suddenly you start defending what they do. Well, they got a hard job. No, they, they don't. Their job is to rob you and hand off to cronies and make your life harder so that you're dependent on them. Um, again, that's where you have to meet them. You have to meet them where they are and explain the, the problems. Um, let's see here. Mick Jones. So since you like stuff, what kinds of Florida man souvenirs would you like to score when you're in our neck of the woods in June? Sunshine and beach water. I want to go there and soak up the rays and swim in the crystal clear Florida waters. That's what I want. Um, Tom Arnold, how much to advertise on my fellow Americans? Reach out to us uh, on muddiedwatersmedia at gmail.com and we will uh, talk specifics uh, for anyone who wants to advertise on, uh, on my fellow Americans or any of our fine programming on Muddy Waters Media. Um, let's see. What would be the ideal solution? Down Unit says, what would be the ideal solution to the current police state? Well, number one, we need to defederalize them. Okay, The federal government should have no role, both by constitutional appointment and by common sense. They should not be involved in law enforcement. 
put it back in the hands of the local communities to decide what they want their rules to be, what they want their police departments to look like, what they want their security to look like, who they want to be in their police roles. The next thing is we have to hold people in government, including police officers, accountable when they do bad things, both civilly and criminally. So we need to end qualified immunity, but we also need to end absolute immunity for judges and prosecutors and politicians, and we need to end sovereign immunity for governments. Why in the hell do we have an entire class of people who have most of the power and all of the decision-making ability and no accountability? That makes no sense whatsoever. Hold them accountable. We also need to end things like the war on drugs and other victimless crimes. We need to end civil asset forfeiture, which is basically just a massive robbery of people that haven't even been convicted of a crime yet. Uh, There are so many things we need to do, but the bottom line is we need to take away their power, decentralize it, and hold them accountable when they do bad things the same way that any one of us would be held accountable if we did the same thing. Um, people still talking about the hydrogen and oxygen thing. Listen, I, at this point, I just acknowledge that I suck at science and really should not ever talk about uh, hydrogen and oxygen again. Um, Todd Kern says, Spike, how does it feel to be a sex symbol? Feels great, man. Uh, I know what it feels like to be a spouse symbol. Um, Brent Ritter says, please don't release the mixtape. Yeah, no, you get it. You get it. You remember what music was like back then. Um, let's see here. Uh, Sally Ann Combs says, will you do a fundraiser with the Lycom... I don't... Am I saying Lycoming? Lycoming County, uh, Pennsylvania affiliate that involves participants winning the chance to do an escape room with you in Williamsport, PA? Listen... Get in contact with my media uh, and events peop- guy, Brian. Contact me on my social media. I'd be happy to do anything like that. That sounds really cool, actually. Uh, reach out uh, to me on social media, and uh, we'll we'll run that through the, the, the people on the team that handle the media and events. I'd be more than happy to do that. Um, I actually like escape rooms, too. Um, Brent DeRitter. Brent DeRitter is actually one of the witnesses of my uh, mini golf miracle that happened two days ago. Five holes in one. Not one, not like a fluke, not two. Like oh hey, no five. Like, like a like a like a like I had a system of how to, and it was the hard ones too. It was the hard ones. It was the hard ones. Um. Uh, Joe Part Portel says, "Do you have to take a bush plane to get where you were going in Alaska?" No, thank God, no, no, no. I'm taking commercial jetliners. All the way there and all the way back. Uh, Mansfield Mafia, I'm a big fan of removing police from non-property or crimes of aggression. I talk to police officers and I say, listen, look at the growing discord and the growing animosity that the public has towards the police. Why? It's not because, you know, we hear, oh, the next time that you, you get raped or murdered, call a crackhead. No one's worried about the police stopping rapists and murderers. They're worried about the police pulling them over and ruining them financially for weeks because they have a busted taillight or their registration expired because they couldn't afford it or their seatbelt isn't on or, you know, some other, they, they, they forgot to use their blinker because they were nervous because a cop was behind them. That upsets people. People are upset that, that people are put in cages over victimless crimes. People are upset that when bad officers, not all officers, but the ones that are bad, do bad things, that the entire thin blue line protects them, that the police units protect, uh, unions protect them, that there's no accountability, that we're only just starting to see some level of accountability for this stuff after decades of this. And it's only because now everyone's walking around with an HD camera and they can't deny that it's happening anymore. That's why people are getting upset about the police. But when you end those 
problems. When you get rid of qualified immunity so that bad police officers can get routed out, and now it's only the good officers that are left, when you end wars on victimless crime so that now when the police are coming out, they're coming out to protect the lives and rights and property of the people. Now when police drive down the street, people cheer and applaud because the police are here. That's what I want. I want people to be happy and relieved when they see a police officer. And that's not going to happen with the policies we have in place. You're absolutely right. Spike, seriously, what about the turtles? I don't, I'm sure this is a joke that I should be getting, but I don't. I like turtles. I don't dislike turtles. Um, uh, Mansfield Mafia, no, no need to pull people over for window tint or air fresheners. Or once you pull them over because you couldn't see their license, but now you see their license, hey, no problem. Now you can let them go, right? Because that was clearly why you pulled them over. Because the license, now you see it. Yay, now you don't have to tase them or pepper spray them and threaten to tase them. And then tell them that if they if they, uh, if they they notify anyone that this happened, that you'll try to ruin their military career. Um, Derek Rhodes, it's because you're, because you're a legend. Well, thank you, Derek. Um, let's see. I've got requests for things to tell Kennedy. I'm not, some of these things aren't very appropriate. Um, Zachary Smith, hey Spike, how do you think the government is gonna deal with quarantining the troops coming home from Afghanistan? That implies that they're coming home, Zachary. I mean, you know, the uh, previous administration negotiated a May 1st pullout date uh, and, and, a, and a ceasefire in the meantime with the Taliban. And the Taliban has held that ceasefire. And they have said that if troops are still there after May 1st, that they'll continue fighting back because it's their country. And why are we there? So Joe Biden says, uh, yeah, we're sticking around till September 11th. Oh, so they unilaterally decided that they're staying at least another, what, almost four and a half months past the expected withdrawal date. Well, here's why. Because they know the Taliban's going to fight back. And then they'll be able to fight them. And then they'll say, oh, we can't leave. The Taliban's attacking us. No, schmuck, you should have left. So unfortunately, I don't think that they're leaving. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that he brings them home. Just like I hope he stops building the wall. But he continues building the wall. It's almost like he's a liar. Um, let's see. Uh... lot of stuff. Um, um, Flore Troncone, I think, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, what do you see for the future of the LP? I think that we continue to grow. I think it's time for us to, to go out of the era of, uh, I guess, entry level that we're in right now. I think it's time for us to go into the level of, of winning, not just local and regional elections, but working our way up and scaling our platforms for victory up to the statewide races and the federal races. And I think we're pretty close to that. And I think uh, I think there's a snowball effect happening. Every year, there are more libertarians than the year before. Every year, uh, the number of libertarians that are elected goes up. You know, I think we're doing well. I think we spend too much time talking about the presidential election. I know somewhere in here, I'm going to get asked, are you running for president in 2024? Really? Like, who cares? Like, just seriously, like, who cares? Like, right now, until we do the hard work at the ground, at the grassroots ground level to get thousands more libertarians elected and to get libertarians elected at these, you know, state led more libertarians elected at the state legislative level and get libertarians elected at the statewide level, you know, governor, um, um, attorney general, secretary of state and get libertarians elected at the federal level, congressional races and, and Senate and so forth. Okay. We're running for the white house and we get 3%, 1%, 2%, half a percent. Okay. Yay. We spent millions of dollars doing that. Okay. Yay. Why? Now, we have to. 
uh, for ballot access reasons in some states, we have to run it. And I think it's useful to help spread the message of liberty and, and use that bullhorn. What if they ignore us? And what if instead we could just spend all those resources getting thousands of libertarians elected across the country? So that now when people hear libertarian, they go, oh, yeah, well, you know, my city council is run by libertarians. They're doing a pretty good job. Yeah, my mayor is a libertarian. Yeah, my state rep is a, is a libertarian. That makes sense. Wow, I wonder what those kinds of solutions would be like in Washington. That's how you do it. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, Michael Testa. Hey, Spike, what is the libertarian stance on the environment? Some argue that, quote unquote, strict liability and or financial payments after people are harmed by corporations, environmental wrongs are too little too late. It's more than we're getting right now, because right now when there's harms that happen, environmental and, 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 and damn property damage and health harms that are caused by major polluting corporations. Here's what we get instead of the, the strict liability and financial payments. First, the government tries to cover it up if, if at all possible. And if that doesn't work, or for as long as that works and when it eventually fails, then they move on to giving them a slap on the wrist fine that does nothing to hold them accountable. It costs less, way, penny fractions of pennies on the dollars less than the damage they cause. Then they hold them harmless for the damage they cause. They, they pass rules uh, like they did with asbestos, like they did with Three Mile Island, like they did with all these other people, where they, they, they pass uh, rules that protect them against, uh, they indemnify them against, uh, against liability, against accountability. So now the people that did the damage aren't held accountable. And then they turn around and they make you pay for it. You know, you, the one that got damaged. Your environment got damaged. Your health got damaged. Your property got damaged. But thankfully, they're going to rob you to pay for the cleanup. That's the government model. Here's the free market model. The free market model is you don't give liability protection to people who harm other people, especially not the ones who do the most harm. And if they lose everything as a result of the damage they did, good. Let it be a lesson to anyone else who might do such a thing. And more importantly, when businesses know that they'll be held accountable for doing that, now they'll actually be more careful. And you don't need job-killing regulations that cut out all their smaller competitors that can't afford the cost of compliance with a regulation, even though they're not the ones that are doing the major damage. These are smaller companies. They're not doing all this damage. It's the big ones that can't afford the cost of, of uh, regulatory compliance, especially when they can just disobey it whenever they want to and get protected for it. End all of that, hold them accountable, and let them know that they'll be held accountable, and they will self-regulate. Not because they suddenly become angelic figures, but because they don't want to lose everything. So, um, anyone ever listen to Backwards, Decent Libertarian Band? I actually bought their last album, yes. Let's see here. Uh, Brian Scott Lambrecht says, foreign policy question. Taiwan wants to buy defensive weapons privately from American companies, but the Chinese government demands the U.S. government put a stop to the, to the sale as they see it as an act of aggression from the U.S. As president, what would you do? What is your role between not interfering, whereas another country sees you as already interfering? Well, first of all, we have to stop interfering, Brian. That's the problem. You can't say, oh, I'm just letting this stuff happen over here. It's totally private. It has nothing to do with me. While you simultaneously have entire fleets of, of the largest navy on earth surrounding the this country. You can't claim both. So you have to choose between one or the other. Well, the neocon occupy the world and all its oceans model surely is not working. But Taiwan wants to buy weapons from U.S. private suppliers. I see no problem with that. 
pull out of there. Let people be responsible for their own defense. And by doing that, now you're not going to see as much of the the graft and the theft and the bloat because they're going to buy what they need to defend themselves instead of having, you know, this country that can print out tens of trillions of dollars in fiat notes, Federal Reserve notes to pay for everything going around and just wasting money on thousand dollar hammers and, you know, two trillion dollar weapon systems that people don't even like. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to so many people who say, I don't know why we're replacing with the F-15 with the Joint Strike Fighter and why we're replacing the A-10 with the Joint Strike Fighter, You're spending all this money and it's not as good for those specific missions as stuff we've had for decades, right? So, you know, by allowing the people who are actual stakeholders in their defense to be responsible for their defense, I say that's a good thing. But you have to simultaneously also get out of it because you're right. Right now, China would be able to correctly say, okay... So you're letting these private sales happen, but you're totally not a part of that, but also you're surrounding us. What's that about? So you get out of it and let people come up with their own defense. Um, Matt Irving asks if uh, if he can convince me to run for president through a, a putt-off, which I assume, I hope to God, is mini-golf. Um, and how do I recommend that we help push the libertarian message for upcoming local elections? identify winnable races, get candidates involved who can win those races. And long before we're running races, we need to be involved in our communities. Get local libertarian affiliates, not just to get together and talk about liberty at the same you know bar and grill that we meet at every month. That's also useful, but also have us meet up and help with soup kitchens, help with mutual aid stuff, help feed homeless people. Even if it's illegal, go feed homeless people. You know, most uh, metro areas, it's, it's illegal to walk around and hand sandwiches to homeless people. Do it anyway. Go get involved in, and by the way, I'm not saying I would never encourage you to break the law. I'm just saying, you know, you got to feed someone. You got to feed someone. But, you know, we do these types of things. We get involved in our communities. Meet with other groups. Meet with liberty-adjacent groups, people that want to hear our ideas. Meet with normies. Meet with everyday people. Meet at civic organizations. And don't go there and proselytize to them. Just hear their ideas and share yours. I think that's the best way to do it. And then identify winnable races, local races, identify candidates who can run in those races might be you. Uh, and if it's not you, maybe you can help with the campaign run like hell for those races, come up with a, with a, um, a solid message for why you're one, running in that race and go and knock on the doors and wave signs and, you know, try to participate in debates. If, if they're having local debates, it's a lot easier for libertarians to get in local debates than national ones. We get in debates all the time at the local level. Um, so, you know, that's the kind of stuff you can do. Um, um, Matthew Von Prince says, how are children's rights preserved or how should they be when they have no ability to preserve their own rights? I'm not a hundred percent sure that I understand your question, but I'm going to answer it the way I, that I think that I best can. I think that children, you know, and there's this, you know, this odd debate that happens and it's a really cringy debate, especially when we're talking about sexual stuff, where when does a child become not a child and, and start to have their own autonomy and, 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 and things like that. I think on certain things, children have autonomy from the beginning. I think that children, uh, you know, for example, I like that we're now telling, not telling kids that they have to sit on someone's lap or have to hug someone. I think that really they should be able to decide that from the beginning. Now, financial decisions, health decisions, that's a different subject. They may not be able to be fully informed on that and the, and the parents should be. The, the, the short answer is the younger a child is, the more responsible the parent is to protect them, to protect their rights, to protect their autonomy, to protect their, their lives and their rights uh, and their property. Um, 
and the older they get and the more developed their brains get the more they're responsible for that and it's it's not a clean question there is no clean cutoff uh and uh and each child is different from person to person and it's you know it's a really difficult thing to talk about uh in general uh and especially on specific subjects but i think you know the short answer is as, as long as a child is unable to do that that's what the parent or guardian is for to protect their rights and, and their and their and their safety in their in their lives um some more hydrogen questions uh brent ritter just between us are you running in 2024 sure um jeff to give me an address to send some salmon harvested fresh from lake michigan i'll smoke it for you or send flight i will definitely i will be writing you um Jericho Banker, what do you think of Biden's plan to pull out of Afghanistan? Too good to be true? Yeah, well, it's not going to happen. There was already a plan to pull out in May. That's what the military agreed to with the Taliban. And now he's pushing it back by four months, which is going to trigger the Taliban to fight back because we just, or they, the government, just violated their peace treaty. So that gives them an excuse to stay there. That's what I think. Um, Zach Goose Rheinmetall. I think that I said that correctly. If no amendment is absolute, can I stop paying taxes now? I don't see why not. If no amendment's absolute, then um, there's a lot of stuff that, that we can do. Um, oh, here's a good one. Derek wrote, what are your thoughts on the government's overregulation of proven safer vaping products? I think that it does whatever, what it always does. There are now more black market cartridges on the market than there ever have been because they're making it harder to get legal safe vaping products. So you're going to have even more deaths and the deaths that they point to for why they need to do this. Almost all of them came from illegal tampered uh, black market vaping products because of course they would. It's just absurd. I think that uh, it's none of anyone's business what you put in your body. And vaping is so much safer than smoking. It is exponential. It's not even comparable. It's the, it's, I, I don't even, I try to come up with a, I, it's the difference between putting vapor in your, in your, water vapor in your lungs and burning something and, and putting that in your lungs. It's a big difference. Uh, it's the difference between being in a house fire and choking and being in like a sauna and going, oh, it's, humid in here that's like literally the, the difference between vaping and smoking um rob tark spike please address how you plan to unite a party who is all over the place with its ideals well i'm actually going to be talking about that in my appearance at gold rush uh this weekend uh in uh, on april 17th at the matsu resort in wasilla alaska you can also uh, attend online by registering by going to alaskalp.org slash gold rush but long story short um Who's question? Rob. Long story short, Rob, you know, every political party has people that are all over the place on their ideas. I mean, you look at the Republicans and Democrats. There are people who, you know, wildly disagree with each other. I think what's most important is instead of trying to make everyone think the same thing or agree to the same thing, let's just give people winnable goals. Let's, instead of the Libertarian Party has these great aspirational goals. We're going to set the world free. We're going to end the Fed. We're going to end taxes. We're going to end the wars overseas. We're going to end the war on drugs. We're going to end all of the bad things and give the power back to the people. Yay. And then our plan to do that is we need to find the perfect person to run for president. And then they're going to get on the debate stage and win the White House. And then also Congress and also the Senate. 
and also all the state houses, and they're going to begin to undo hundreds of years of bad policy. Let's do it. And then we don't have a real viable blueprint to do that. So now we're all sitting here. We're coping with one, what seems like one set of crushing losses after the next. Instead of focusing on where we are winning and how to do more of that, so then we start attacking each other. It's your fault that we're losing. It's your fault that we're losing. If you wouldn't say this, then we'd be winning. If you would stop doing this, then we'd be winning. If you'd just let me do X, Y, Z, then we'd be winning. No, let's come up with ways that we can win more, that we're already winning, that we can win more like that, and let's work together. It gives us something to do instead of attacking each other. We build a sense of camaraderie with each other. And we start to realize that there isn't as much difference between us as we thought. We might have differences in definition and policy. But the reality is we all want the same thing. We want a world set free. Uh, let's see. Uh, Roadblock Rombau says, how do you think the Democrats' proposal for more Supreme Court judges will go? This this is a standard thing that happens. I don't think it's really going to happen. Uh, but I think if it does happen, then goodbye to the Supreme Court being anything other than a rubber stamp for the executive. Because here's why. The next president's going to go, oh, you increased the number of judges? Me too. And then the next one comes in and goes, oh, you did that? Me too. And then they just keep adding more and more judges. You end up with this ridiculous multi-thousand person Supreme Court. And they just, you know, fill the ranks enough to uh, to make it where they have the majority. And it becomes a rubber stamp for them. I think it's a terrible idea. Um, I mean, there's all, the, the Supreme Court often is such a rubber stamp. It gives such deference to executive power, gives such deference to blatantly unconstitutional legislation because, well, the people want. No, that's not your job to decide what the people want. Your job is to decide whether it comports with the very cl- plain language in the Constitution. And if there's any kind of uh, uh, any kind of um, disparity, discrepancy there, you you look at like the writings of the founders, the Federalist Paper. It's 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 precedent you're supposed to be looking at, not you know what your feelings are on it. Um, let's see here, Derek Rhodes asks Doge. I don't know what to tell you anymore, man. It's now at an all-time high. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to buy some at some point. I don't... I keep... I don't know what to tell you. It's it's a meme. But here we are. Here we are. Kellen, uh, I want you... Says Rothbard, yes or no? Yes, in general. I, I'm not a fan of... Uh, Rothbard's so-called paleo strategy. I think uh, he even admitted that it wasn't a good one. I don't agree with every single thing Rothbard said, uh, but pre-paleo Rothbard was best Rothbard. Um, And uh, yes, if I could push the Rothbard button, 100% I'd smash that thing. Um, um, NBC has confirmed Democrats will be trying to add four Supreme Court judges. Do you think it will pass? No. Um, Sean Orton says Bitcoin is 1.7 million, I assume per, if you, uh, replaced all physical money before the last stimulus. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I will say that I think, um, I don't think it's just going to be Bitcoin. Uh, I do. I think Bitcoin's going to be somewhere between half a million and a million and then just kind of steadily rise over time because it's scarce. But I think it's true equilibrium right now, uh, in, in just the next, probably next two, three, four years, it's going to be somewhere between half a million and a million. That's just my opinion. This is not financial advice. Standard disclaimer. I am not a financial advisor. I am not giving you financial advice. 
past performance is not an indicate is not indicative of future performance. You could lose all of your investment. I can't tell you what to do. You have to decide for yourself. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just a humble Jew on the internet. Um, give us back the power. I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it, Justin. Um, Justin Lomness, I think I'm saying the name right. Libertarians get a bad name because we believe in having our own decisions and living live truly free. Most people don't know who libertarians are, Justin. Like I went around the country and we would campaign heavily and put out stuff, signs saying, come see the big blue bus with your next vice presidential candidate, Spike Cohen. You know, he's running for vice. And they'd show up and they go, who are you? Are you is, I thought Trump and Biden were running. And I'd say, yeah, I'm Spike Cohen. I'm running with the Libertarian Party. And they go, what's the Libertarian Party? Like most people have no idea who we are. And unfortunately, a lot of people who do know who we are have a bad take on us. And some of that's our fault. Some of that is how we presented our ideas. When you say you're going to take over the world and leave everyone alone, uh, if you don't explain what leaving them alone means, that sounds like we're going to neglect you and we don't care what happens to you. We have to explain how our ideas work, which means when people ask you about the roads and the schools and healthcare and all the stuff that, that makes you mad, well, why would I have to answer that? The roads, come on. Why, you don't, they're answer asking because just like you probably at one point didn't know the answer, they don't know the answer. You do, so tell them. So I think that would be helpful. Um, How do we stop COVID passports? First of all, we have to stop calling them COVID passports. Long after we will have achieved herd immunity from vaccinations and people already getting COVID is long after that is when they'll be putting these passports in place. These have nothing to do with COVID. COVID will more, almost completely be tamped down to almost nothing by the time these things are ready for prime time. This is not about COVID. This is about using COVID as an excuse to impose itself to have big business and government work together to create a caste system in this country and around the world. Not just what countries you can go to, but whether you can go to Walmart, whether you can go to the school, whether you can go to the store, whether you can go to an arena or a mall or a disaster shelter. By the way, uh, all the people saying, oh, these aren't going to be used to stop you from fleeing a disaster. Tell that to uh, St. Oh gosh, Saint Vincent, the island in the Caribbean where that just happened. 16,000 uh, family, either 16,000 people or 16,000 families. I forget which is which, but 16,000 people and or families uh, were in a red zone under a, a volcano that just erupted where if they stayed there, it would be certain death from soot and potentially, I think just from the soot and, and not being able to breathe. So they said, okay, we're going to evacuate everyone who's been vaccinated. Now, less than 5% of the population of St. Vincent has been vaccinated because they're a poor country and they're having a hard time getting the vaccine. And yet they still told people that are fleeing a volcano that they had to be vaccinated. If you don't think that's coming here, everything eventually comes here. Sometimes, sometimes it starts here. Um, Matt Ferraro, my child has three different standardized tests in four weeks time. How ridiculous is that? And how much did your kid learn from it, Matt? We've turned schooling into this d- terrible monstrous monstrosity for children where they fear going and, gosh, am I going to be able to pass all these tests? School is supposed to be where you learn things, not where you're constantly having to prove your worth. And God forbid you have some off days or you just get nervous or you have test anxiety. I used to get test anxiety as a kid. And then you end up in a special needs class? 
There are people with legitimate special needs who need that one-on-one -on -one help. And now those classes are being filled with students who do not have special needs. They're being made fun of by their classmates for having special needs when they don't have special needs. They take it out on the kids who do have special needs. And the, the teachers who are trained to deal with, you know, one-on-one -on -one small group, uh, you know, early intervention stuff. Now they're dealing with a bunch of kids who are so filled with angst and sadness because they were shoved into special needs. It's just a nightmare. No child left behind should have been called an increasing number of children being left behind because that's exactly what it is. What an absolute disaster. Uh, Kayla Revels says, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Uh, let's go through some stuff. Man, we got a lot of questions. So I'm going to have to unfortunately cut this off in a little bit because I like have to finish packing and I have to leave here in six hours, five hours, gosh. Um, Bull Johnson, we will have a seat in Congress in 2022. I like that attitude and I think it's it's absolutely possible. It's absolutely possible. If we do the work between now and then to identify a winnable, maybe even more than one, winnable congressional races, we get a good candidate in there, we're involved in that community, we have a solid message, we go in there, we don't get caught up in the Republican-Democrat nonsense because people are sick of it, we go in there and we present the bold truth, we don't water down our message, we don't go in there and try to tell everyone taxation is theft over and over and again without explaining why it's theft and what the better alternative would be, we don't just go in there to be edgelords and we certainly don't go in there to be milk toast and watered down and tell them a bunch of stuff we don't even believe just to get their vote. And instead we go in there and we explain the, the way that we got in the, the problem that we're in and our common sense libertarian solutions to fix it. We can absolutely win, win congressional races in 22. Uh, Justico Mitchell, want to be a governor? Sure, you got one. Um, James Wainer, uh, James Wainer, do you think the last LP campaign, I assume he's talking about the Jorgensen Cohen campaign, was more about showcasing you than actually winning? I don't think it I don't think it was about showcasing us. I think that we ran to win to the extent that we went around the country. We did more campaigning than the Republicans and Democrats combined last year. I mean, we went on a freaking bus tour during a during a pandemic and lockdowns, visited 48 states, went all over the country, talked to tens of thousands of people in person and many more uh, online, millions online. Uh, we ran a, a, as full-throated a campaign as we could with fractions of pennies on the dollar, what the Republicans and the Democrats have. We did everything we could uh, in terms of getting the message out there. It wasn't about showcasing us as individuals. It was about getting the message of liberty out there as much as possible and also in helping the down-ballot candidates uh, as much as we could. And, and I'm, I'm happy that we were able to help get a lot of down ballot candidates elected in this last cycle. But I do think that we put a lot of, there were millions of dollars that were spent that in retrospect, what if we had spent those on those, on those citywide races and countywide races? Something to think about. Um, again, not to say that we shouldn't run a presidential candidate, but I really think we should be thinking about what our strategy moving forward is in terms of what our main uh our main focus should be um alexandra uh or alexander i think it's a uh robinson says spike you're awesome on kennedy thank you so much um she also or he i don't i'm not sure that name might be alexander might be alexandra Alexander uh, Robinson also asked, Spike, have you ever had any contact with Larry Elder and would you consider him a libertarian? I have not talked with him. I'd be happy to. Uh, I think he's libertarian on some issues. I think I'd describe him more as a 
maybe liberty leaning conservative, but you know. Um, Tom Stewart says, serious question. I'm tired of trying to play by the rules. I'd rather now take a flamethrower to issues the way the Mises Caucus does. Any thoughts? I think that there is a difference. Again, there is a difference between, as you said, playing by the rules, playing nice for the corporate media. Uh, and, uh, and I think that there is, again, a false dichotomy here. We either have to play nice, nice, or we have to be brutalists. And I think I like a lot of what comes from Mises groups and, and Mises people. I'm actually a member of the Mises caucus. Uh, I like a lot of the, the bold messaging that's coming out of it. I think that messaging needs to be worked within the proper framework of how are you positioning yourself to continue that debate or that discussion? I always want to position myself in such a way that I am forcing the people that oppose me uh, and my beliefs to defend their ideas on their terms of what they value. And if instead I go in and I say something that then I or others have to defend and it brings a lot of negative attention when instead I could have put that negative attention on the people that I want to have to defend themselves and always put them on the defensive, I'd prefer to do that. Um, but I, I think that it's important um, uh, I think it's important to, uh, to be bold. Um, but I think bold also, you can be bold and smart. You don't have to choose between being bold or smart. I think you can be bold and smart. Um, let's see. Wow. I think there are more questions being asked. So it says, Brian says, dude, I like burning things in my lungs. Listen, that's, that's, it's on you. It's your body. Um, Oh, uh, Wyatt says, number one favorite Waffle House item. Probably the bacon made limp. And unfortunately, I can't have it anymore. Their sausage is pretty good, but no, the bacon. I'm a big, I'm a big, big carnivore. And I'm now on a pescatarian diet. I miss meat. I was told, oh, after a year or two of, of eating, of not eating meat, you'll totally miss it. That's a lie. That is a straight up lie because i accidentally ate bacon in san antonio texas last year when i ordered the crispy uh i ordered the crispy uh um brussels sprouts with my salmon and i said now remember don't put any bacon in it and they said okay we won't and they did and i was outside and it was at night and we were overlooking it was a sort of a romantic setting for me and my wife and we're overlooking the waterway the the river walk there and it's dimly lit they bring it out. I'm enjoying time with my wife and I'm eating my food. I go, man, these are the best. These are the best Brussels sprouts. Uh-oh, that's bacon. Sure enough, I look, I take my phone out, point the flashlight at it. Sure enough, that's a bunch of bacon. Now I stopped eating it because I have incredible willpower. And because I, you know, I'm on a very restrictive diet for a reason for my multiple sclerosis. But that was the best damn Brussels sprouts I've ever had in my life. So that is a lie. And if you are telling yourself that, if you've stopped eating meat, you're like, oh, yeah, I don't like that. Lie. Lies. Lies. You know, it might be for ethical reasons, and that's great. It might be for health reasons. That's why I do it, and that's great. Lies. Lies that you don't miss it. Um, Justin42 says, I vaccinated. I don't want to punish opt-outs. Everyone writes, everyone's rights or no one's. Eureka. Um, let's see this. Uh, 
Someone says, get some sleep. Thank you. I actually wish I could. I've, I've got some packing to do before I go to bed. But this, I love y'all. This is what I love to do. This is what I live for. Uh, I love this. This is actually going to give me the energy I need to then go and, and finish packing so I can get up. Um, Kevin Hobby says, how was Oklahoma? Well, it's funny that you would ask, Kevin. I had a great time in Oklahoma two weeks ago. That was awesome. We were there for my, well, we were there for the Oklahoma uh, Libertarian Party convention. And um, I told him, I said, listen, that's uh, that's our wedding anniversary. So if you want us to come, you got to bring my wife too. And you got to be really nice to her because it's our wedding anniversary. You want me to spend it talking to libertarians, which is what I do every day. And they were very cool about it. And they were incredibly gracious. And they, they, they put out the red carpet for us. They were amazing. We had such a great time. What what a blast. Neither one of us has ever been to Oklahoma. It was amazing. Um, Kevin Hobby, trying to, been trying to get your Joe Exotic reply all night. I don't see. Can you ask it again? I don't even see it. Um, Joseph Adams, anyone, anybody know where I can watch the Kennedy show online? So they break it up into clips afterwards. Uh, if you go to video.foxbusiness.com um, and you can, it'll have a section that says show clips and you just click on where it says Kennedy and it'll show the most recent clips. It, I, they don't always put all the panels on there. Usually they put at least one or two of the panels that I've been on on there. And uh, usually if they don't, they'll at least put it on like Facebook or Twitter or something so I can share it from there. But the, the best way, um, uh, uh, the, you know, the best way to make sure you can see it is to have cable and watch Fox Business. Um, Kevin Hobby, what do you say when people ask you about Joe Exotic? Listen, here's the thing with Joe Exotic, guys. He was not very libertarian. And the thing is, the reason he came to the Libertarian Party was because he knew something was wrong and he knew there was a problem. Joe Exotic looked at things and knew there was a problem. In fact, his uh, his campaign slogan was, let's fix this shit, okay? So if Joe Exotic realizes that there's such a problem that people need to run to fix it, then that shows you just how poorly the Republicans and Democrats are doing, okay? And... Uh, you know, if it's not the Republicans or Democrats creating problems, it's that Carol Baskin down there. Um, but no, I listen, I, I think that I think bottom line is that um, if if the Joe Exotics of the world can look around and go, this seems weird, then I think that we can all conclude that there's a problem uh, and that, you know, your, your lying eyes aren't lying to you and that there is really a problem. Um, oh, OK, there is already a second segment up. Um, let's see, I can take. Uh, so, uh, only Holman, uh, says, uh, have you reached out to Joe Rogan about getting on his show? We have reached out multiple times. I'd be happy to get on his show. I'd be happy to talk with Joe. Uh, interestingly enough, Joe Rogan said that he voted for, for me and Joe for, for president and vice president. And yet he didn't have uh, either of us on the show. I'm not hundred percent certain why that is. I don't know if there was mixed signals with the campaign. I really don't know. Um, I, I had heard a rumor at one point that, that, uh, Joe, Joe Jorgensen didn't want to be on Joe Rogan. I tend to not believe that. I don't really think that's true. I'm not sure. Joe went on a lot of different shows, uh, like Dave Rubin and Kennedy and, uh, uh Neil Cavuto and others. I, I don't know why she wouldn't go on Joe Rogan. So, um, but regardless, uh, true or not, I would be more than happy to go on, uh, to go on Joe Rogan. Um, let's see. Um, Let's see. 
Yeah, I mean, we're, anyone who wants to reach out to Joe Rogan, uh, anyone who, who wants to ask him to have me on, I'd be happy to do it. Be more than happy to go on. Um, Kevin Ramlow, I love your interview with Matt Kibbe during the campaign. That was one of my favorite interviews, and here's why. Matt Kibbe, if I had to pick one single person uh, that is responsible for bringing me to the liberty movement, it's probably Matt Kibbe. Followed closely behind by Ron Paul, followed closely behind by a guy named Lou Sander, uh, who's actually the one who helped me to realize I was actually an anarchist, not just a libertarian, but a libertarian anarchist, but that's a whole other subject. Uh, Matt Kibbe, um, you know, I really looked up to him. I really do look up to him. And when I saw him at the convention, I'm like, that's Matt Kibbe. I'm going to play it cool, right? And then I, and then he comes up to me, he goes, yeah, yeah, I, I'm getting a lot of interesting takes on you. Uh, I find you really interesting. Would you like to come on my show? And I'm like, yeah, we can make that work. Yeah, that's sure. That's cool. And I'm playing it cool. I'm playing it cool with everyone. I'm like, yeah, Matt Kibbe, that's fine. I can be on your show. Uh, what's, what do I got on my scale? Uh, 5.30. We should be, 5.30, does that work for you? Okay, good. I'll see you at 5.30. Then my wife comes over, okay? And I don't know why, but in trying to introduce my wife to Matt Kibbe, I just completely melted down and went into a total fanboy moment. So it started as like, Tasha, this is Matt Kibbe. He's one of the people that brought me to libertarianism. It's probably the most responsible person and he's incredible and I'm going to be on his show and I'm so excited. I was like, what is wrong with you? No one said that. I said that to myself, but no, I was very, very happy to. What about Ben uh, Shapiro? I'd be happy to go on Ben Shapiro. There's very few people I wouldn't go on their show. I'd be happy to do it. Did we lose the feed again? No, we're back. No, I don't think we lost the feed. Um, uh, Brian Sutton, uh, where he says no amendment is absolute, not even the 13th. He actually said something almost as bad as that, Brian. In explaining why we should have gun control, he goes, from the very beginning of the Constitution... You know, there were certain people that weren't allowed to own guns. Yeah, slaves and natives. How did that work out for him, Joe? Did that keep him nice and safe at night? I could not believe the man said that. He's right. He's 100% right. From the beginning of the Constitution, there were people who were not allowed to own guns because they were being treated like cattle or they were having their land stolen and being led down a genocidal trail of tears. That's not a selling point. That's not what I'd lead with if I were trying to push for reductions in violence. It was incredible. And he wasn't called on it. Major media didn't go, hey, who were those certain people? Because all we saw was the only people we saw that couldn't own guns were slaves and, and indigenous people. Absolutely. Absolutely incredible. Um, let's see here. Uh, P says, are you friends with, and I think it's Camelli. I think that's how you say his name, Foster, and Matt Welch at the fifth column. I'm in contact with Matt Welch. I'd be happy to go on the fifth column, too. There's really, like I said, I'd be happy to. Um, Elizabeth Elizabeth says, can you ask Caitlin if she can get you on Rogan? I, I mean, it's her fault that we're not. Um, let's see here. Um... What's a good one to end on? Alexander or Dra, I, I wish I knew which one that was. Uh, Robinson says, Spike, in your opinion, who would you consider the most brutal dictator in the world today? There are many different ways to measure this. If you go by just the sheer amount of harm being done, it's hard not to argue that the current president is just because of the sheer amount of harm and damage that's being done around the world. Uh, yeah, 
I, 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 it would be hard not to argue that if you're talking about potential, like not how much power they have, but what they're doing with their power, I would probably argue Kim Jong-un. I mean, I, I think, uh, uh, it's un, right? Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-un. Yeah, probably Kim Jong-un. Uh, just the, I mean, the way he's treating his people is just absolutely brutal um and the conditions they're living under i i don't i'm not sure there's anyone that i could say uh is as brutal as that um um, um let's see here Uh, Vicky, the people are asking me about running for, for president. I, I have answered that. I haven't made any decisions for 2024. Uh, and I, oh, it's Alexander. Okay, cool. Um, I haven't made any, any decisions for 2024. And I think it's more important to talk about the races that we have a serious shot of winning right now, the thousands of races that we can win between now and then. I think that that is so much more important, you know, going on the trail and I, I'm gonna have to end on this. Um, and this answers a couple of the other questions. Uh, the, when you look at the reasons why, it's, it's something like 60 to 65% of Americans say that there need to be a viable, they want a viable third party that they can vote for because they're sick of Republicans or Democrats. And then we listen, we go, hey, that's great news. We're the Libertarian Party. We're a viable third party. And people go, so anyway, like I was saying, we need a viable third party. The reason they don't vote for us is multifold. And, and meanwhile, the reason most don't vote for us, they, they've never heard of us. But for the ones who do, the reason most of the people that have heard of us don't vote for us, what do they say to us? You can't win. And that's so frustrating to hear, right? Well, yeah, it's easier for us to win if you vote for us. But but that's also a lot of, well, I'll get into that in a second. You can't win. Okay, that's the big one. And if you can't win, then I got to vote for a lesser evil, right? Uh, your ideas sound good. But I don't know if they're really going to work. And we haven't seen it played out. At least not the way you're talking about. Um, I only really ever hear from you uh, every, you know, for a, a couple months, few months, every every four years. What's up with that? You know, how involved are you? And then a big one, if they do know us, is you guys are constantly fighting everyone, including each other. What's that about? Here's the you can't win thing. When we lead with telling people how difficult it is for us to get on the ballot. Again, we haven't even told them what we're about yet. We haven't told them what our policies are. We haven't told them what our solutions are. We haven't told them about the fact that the Republicans and Democrats are playing a big good cop, bad cop routine with each, with each other to keep people into thinking that they need to vote for the lesser evil when that clearly is not working. We don't talk about that. We start off with, well, it's important that you know that they're keeping us off the ballot and they're making it hard for us to even run. And they're putting rules that make it where it's nearly impossible for us to even get on the ballot. Then we certainly can't win. And then the corporate media is shutting us out too. It's really unfair. What people are hearing is, I don't have a shot in hell of winning. And so then when they turn around and go, I don't think you have a shot in hell of winning, then we get upset. Why would we get upset? We just told them that. So if instead we focus on races that we can win right now with the resources we have, and focus on building up our credo in, in our, our street cred in all of our communities and in getting more libertarians elected. Now we kill all, all those arguments. You can't win. Yeah, we win in cities and counties and states across the country, thousands at a time. Uh, your ideas sound good, but I, you know, how are they going to work? They're working in cities and states and counties across the country. Uh, I only hear from you for a few months every year. No, you hear from us 
all the time in cities and states and counties across the country. You guys are constantly arguing with each other, and that's all you do. No, we're actually also busy winning in cities and states and counties across the country. I think that when we do that, then we put ourselves in a position to actually be able to win the races that we want to win and, and actually get towards our goal. And then they're not aspirational goals anymore. Ending the Fed can be within our reach. Ending the wars can be within our reach. Ending the war on drugs and victimless crimes can be within our reach. Getting people out of cages and camps can be within our reach. Uh, ending all of this intrusion in healthcare and housing and higher education and food and everything else, driving up the cost of things so it's getting harder and harder just to get by. We can end all of that stuff. We can take all that power and freedom and money that they've stolen from you, put it back in your hands, where it belongs, so that you can be free, so that you can be happier and healthier and safer, so that you can afford to live, so that your children have a brighter future, so that you can build a financial legacy instead of constantly struggling just to make ends meet. All of that is in our reach when we do the work to connect with voters and show them that our solutions work. And when we do that, we can win. Ow, that hurt. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for uh for coming and watching this and hanging out with me and asking me questions i wish that uh ryan bedford libertarians can't lose in the arena of ideas exactly exactly all we have to do is get in front of people we have better solutions than the democrats have for their voter base we have better solutions than the republicans have for their voter base we have better solutions than anyone else so why are we arguing with anyone let's just empathize with them let's validate their concerns Let's show them how we got here, how we got here, and how these policies created the problems that we're facing. And then we show them how we can fix it with our common sense solutions. How our ideas aren't just morally right, but they make sense and they work. And let's show them that even more with human action, by going out, helping people, and going out and being involved in our communities, and going out and winning elections, and taking over city councils, and county councils, and state councils, state legislatures, and school boards, and sheriff's departments. How about libertarian sheriffs, who just completely nullify everything by saying, I'm not going to enforce that. If it's not violating the lives and rights and property of the people in my jurisdiction, I got no interest in it. Let's win. Let's win in ideas. Let's win people over. Let's bring people into this movement. Let's win elections. Let's win freedom for ourselves and future generations. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in to my fellow Americans and uh, and for asking me all your questions. I wish that I could answer all of them, but unfortunately, I'm just a, just a mild-mannered Jew doing my best out here. Uh, but folks, again, Gold Rush this weekend, Wasilla, Alaska, and online. If you register at alaskalp.org slash goldrush, we are going to be talking, and there, it's not just me talking. Uh, we're going to have Chrissy Wickers and Tara DeSisto and Caitlin Cloven and Apollo Pazell and uh, Paul Robbins Jr. And now I feel bad because I think I left out just one person. Uh, maybe it was two other people, but there are some incredible people that are going to be talking. If you want to run for office as a libertarian, if you want to get things accomplished in your community, tune into this. Uh, if again, if you're anywhere near Wasilla, come on out. We'd love to have you. Uh, and if not, if you want to watch it online, it's an all day long event. Uh, AlaskaLP.org slash gold rush to sign up today. I hope to see you there, or I hope that you see me there if you're online and, uh, be sure to tune in tomorrow night uh, for a special episode of The Writer's Block uh, with Matt Wright. Uh, be sure to tune in this weekend for Gold Rush. 
by registering and being part of Gold Rush. Uh, and then I will see you next week for uh, the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parse through the week weekend's events, or no, the week's events, uh, like the sweet little 2020 Wonder Boys that we are. Uh, and then tune in back here uh, Wednesday for my fellow Americans. My guest will be Eric Peterson. We will be talking about how the FCC is screwing up the internet and how they can stop. Hint, it's by stopping the FCC and stopping uh, any attempts towards net neutrality. I should have told you that because now you don't have to watch. Well, no, you have to watch it because we're going to explain why it is. You're not going to believe what the answer is. Tune in next week. Folks, thanks again for tuning in. I'm Spike Cohen, and you are the power. God bless, guys.